drop 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 these your body 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 Ah, he wants to go off road That chat when you got the lane. No, he was right on my ass, man. Who wrote this? I did. Okay. Ask him if he got the letter. Did you get the letter? What letter? Make me quick. Make me quick. What's up, man? About to catch a fade, huh? Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to The Real Boys, the only show on the internet that gets eight of us together and talks about movies. No? Never eight. <laughs> the only show that attempts to get eight people together to talk about movies. <laughs> Closer. Uh, my name is Dylan. I'm here with Gleep Glorping. Oh, sorry. No. My name is Johnny Utah, uh, ancient ancestor of Duncan, Idaho. And I'm here with Gleep Glorpington uh, in his hood. And I think he's got a still suit respirator in his nose oh absolutely i got yeah i have my recycled sweat right here oh lovely me too actually yeah Mm. 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 nothing nothing better on a hot uh gleep glorpington um dune filled desert day than some sweat that got cycled through my body and then got the salt taken out of it and it just i just have to is... i just have to make do with wringing out the old sweat rag mm. but anyway we're using a lot of proper nouns today because we are re- talking about denis villeneuve's adaptation of dune the uh of course classic sci-fi novel written by um frank herbert back in the 60s it's been an adaptation that's been in the works for a long time because of course you know Various world events have prevented people from gathering in large numbers, which includes film production. But you've got an ensemble cast, uh, including Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, etc., etc. And Javier Bardem. Don't... Yeah, <laughs> who, Javier. Who... The, the cast is amazing. <laughs> it is stacked. It, uh, it's like the acting in this movie, the costumes, the way it's shot. Um, as far as movies go, this thing is top notch. Villanova really knows how to put a movie together. That's for sure. He, he's very good at sci-fi. He's very good at spectacle and he's very good at scope. And that's the word yeah. that I see thrown around about this movie a lot, which is scope, yeah. which is fitting because, uh, Dune, if you, nobody out there knows what Dune is, it was originally a novel published in 65. It's one of the first space operas, which, uh, kind of tells a galaxy spanning story of politics and warfare and intrigue and all of that. But Dune focuses on a family sent to the uh, titular planet of Dune, also called Arrakis because they're harvesting 
Spice, which is very important for space travel, and the Harkonnens, another rival family, doesn't like it. And I'm describing the story haltingly because if I did any more in-depth, Michael's <laughs> eyes would glaze over and the episode would end <laughs> prematurely. True. It's true. <laughs> it's so true. I don't know. I don't know what it is about this series. Like, I've tried to read these books. Uh, you know I'm a huge... Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of David Lynch. I tried to watch that movie. I always get about a third of the way through it. And then I'm just like, I can not anymore. And it's like, I've tried even very recently to come up with reasons why. And I, I absolutely don't know. Um, I think part of the reason is that I want to like it so much. And normally when stuff doesn't like grab me right away, I'm like, whatever, I, I just don't like this. That's fine. But this I want to like, and I, whoops. Oh, I'm going to die now. Um, My nose piece came out. Oh, uh, no. Well, all right. Rip. Don't oh. talk. You have to conserve your, you have to conserve <laughs> your body's moisture. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to like this. I want to like the books. I want to like these movies and I just don't. And it drives me insane. I, I'm on the opposite camp, I think. Oh, somewhat opposite camp. We're kind of perpendicular. I read the book for the first time in high school, and it took me a long time. And I remember thinking, like, that was fine. It was really dense. I read it in college, and I really liked it, but I didn't retain a whole lot of it because I kind of had a <laughs> I had an easier grasp on who everybody was. And I reread it last year when this was originally scheduled for release in 2020, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, quite a bit and I'm not that's not a ringing endorsement saying that it took me three tries full read throughs of a book to finally kind of like it yeah but Dune is dense and kind of dry and it's not an easy read in my opinion so I never judge anybody who's like I want to like Dune but I don't want to put in the effort because no problem yeah <laughs> um, I have I know plenty of people who have had success with the audiobooks okay I'm also like, job. I'm, I'm an audiobook fan. Um, I do a lot of like classic literature, mm -hmm. which the way that it's written makes me not understand it when I read it. But when I listen to it read, I'm like, oh, this is why people love like Frankenstein is the first one that I really it was like the audiobook was like, this is what got me. So I never even thought of that. I actually might do that because, um, yeah, like I said, I do want to like this. It It's right up my alley in theory. Yeah, um, apparently the audiobook I'm thinking of, the, the main one, I believe, is narrated by Charlotte Rampling, the woman who plays the reverend mother who gives him the the hand in the box test apparently she's the okay. woman who reads out the audiobook in the lynch movie or in the new movie in the new movie i okay. think someone in the new movie reads out the reads the audiobook i'm probably incorrect about who exactly it is but someone in the movie <laughs> does um <laughs> but yeah uh i mean dune i mean this is you know i always say we shouldn't consider the other adaptations but dune is so loaded with a lot of other reputation like I, I, the Lynch movie, I've seen it about three times and every time I watch it, I like it more for yeah, what I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to give it another shot and get all the way through it because I did get all the way through this one and I'm like, okay, 
maybe now I can get all the way through the Lynch one and being such a big David Lynch fan and like I, I like 75% of the cast is people from Twin Peaks in that movie. Yes. Yeah. So it's like it's like, that, all right, I'm gonna give that, this another shot. <laughs> that one also has a pretty stacked cast for the time, but uh um, yeah. And yep. on onto I think onto this version of Dune. Yeah, um, for sure. This is it's subtitled. You obviously get the start Dune part one, uh, which they put on there before it was confirmed that they had a sequel, which has been confirmed as of the time of this recording that there will be a part two. So we are at least getting a complete first book. Okay. <laughs> uh, which I'm glad because this movie, uh, I, I think Zach is probably going to drop in at some point during this recording, but Zach described this to me as one of the most part one movies ever released. Which, you know, it ends with them joining up with the Fremen and going into the desert, which feels like a, at least a kind of complete story beat. He accepts what he's going to do and we may not see it, but still. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can think of is that last Harry Potter movie uh, that feels like the most <laughs> oh, yeah. part one movie I've ever seen. Crimes because of... that thing ends with nothing having happened and everything having been set up. <laughs> uh, at least one baby dies in that movie. So that's pretty heavy. <laughs> anyway, that uh, sounds like a real boys movie. It does actually. We can watch it. I saw it in theaters and I was shocked at how bad it was. Um, <laughs> but back to theaters. Um, yeah. So Dune, it follows the story of the novel really closely, at least from the perspective of someone who's read the book. Uh, the family of Atreides is given the planet of Dune. They're like, hey, most important planet in the world. Everybody likes you. You take charge of it. Turns out it's all a trap by the emperor. The Harkonnens come kill everybody except Paul and his mom. And uh, they go into the desert and join the Fremen. That's it. That's all that yeah. happens in this movie. That That is what happens. That is what it takes two hours and 40 minutes to happen. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that one thing that Dylan just talked about. Um, And I'm okay with it. I, I kind of went in expecting a part two. And that's when all the fun. Well, I guess it's kind of fun, but. <laughs> all the other all the other stuff in the movie in the book happens in the second half of the book yeah this um it it takes a long time to get going i clocked it at one hour and 16 minutes before something happens so if you're a fan of movies like a lot of build-up and a lot of like like i said good acting like oscar oscar isaacs is great in this movie and like um even though he's not kyle mclaughlin the kid who plays paul atreides is really good um yeah like jason momoa is acting his ass off in this <laughs> like i i bought him as you know a bodyguard guy who cared about the kid that he was protecting and you know all the stuff that he was doing like the acting is really good but you can't go in expecting a sci-fi you know star wars type you know action movie because that's not what you're gonna get it's it's definitely not a star wars as far as pacing goes because star wars yeah. is very much intro action scene calm action scene tragedy action scene mm -hmm. calm action scene ending 
yeah, you, you have, yeah, that those things are packed with action and, and maybe that's just what my, um, dumb, uh, monkey brain enjoys <laughs> in my sci-fi. <laughs> like, no, I totally get it. Um, this, I, I hesitate to say this movie is more of a character piece than an action movie because, but, but Villeneuve said that the, and I'm probably mispronouncing his name, despite the fact that I've heard it spoken out loud several times <laughs> in the past week. He said that this version was very much going to focus on the relationship between Paul and his mom, because she's kind of the one who jumpstarts the entirety of the entire franchise with her actions before the book even starts. Yeah. The, I don't know it. Apparently I have asked this question of a Dune fan and I got a negative, um, not a negative reaction, but like this was not, but I don't know if this was the character of the mother or the actress that was playing the mother, but she looked like she wanted to fuck Paul. Like, is that, is that part of her character or was that the actress looking longingly at um, Timothy Chalamet. I, that's not any part of the book. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's not the first time I've heard people react to certain scenes between uh, Rebecca Ferguson and Timothy Chalamet with that implication. Yeah. I don't know that I ever particularly got that like vibe from it. It but was, I, I rewatched it today and I'm like, oh, that's where, okay. It was, it was a little bit like, it was sort of a little bit before, like, especially in that scene where she's getting him prepped to put his hand in the box. But then when they're out in the desert, when they're on the rock and they have mm, to like put right. their suits on, she is like giving him the fuck eyes. And I was like, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> No, that's not a part of the book. I think I was just a, I don't know. I don't know what else. I don't know what else Rebecca Ferguson has been in. So I can't say if that's just how she acts. Okay. Um, And I don't know. I mean, she's not, again, she's not bad. Um, And she's, she's doing a thing, but it seems like that's a thing that she's doing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't particularly pick that up on my first watch, but I was kind of like looking for it. Mm-hmm. And the only the only thing that stands out is that scene when they are putting on their still suits. And I'm like, you turn around to make sure they know what they're doing. Yeah. But it's the acting that I guess gives people this view anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, which is interesting because in the source material, the Harkonnen Duke is a predator of oh. some unfortunate appetites. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Which they so completely the one that's... removed from this. The one that's played by uh, Batista, uh, Skarsgård, the one oh, who okay. hovers all right. over the place. Yeah, okay. He's way um, creepier in the books and in the Lynch adaptation. And they like they could have done creepy with <laughs> with him. Like he does creepy pretty good. And um, well, and I'm thinking primarily of the Harkonnen family pet that you see in the single scene. Mm-hmm. It's the humanoid spider with the hands. Hmm. Uh, that might have been my favorite thing in the movie was that weird spider thing because I was like up until then I was like you know whatever this is just I I think the other thing that I like about Star Wars in particular is 
the aliens all like look crazy like there's huts and there's you know and it's like it's a lot of humanoids but there's also a lot of like extra limbs and different colors and weird beaks and stuff but this is like just a bunch of humans yeah It's, it's like just a bunch of humans that dress differently um they don't do it much in the movie, but the thing about Dune is that in order to replace a lot of technology, they lost human mutation and like guided genetics and stuff take over. So when his assistant through fear, his eyes go white, he's actually like a mental computer and you've got the doctor who's supposed to be conditioned so that he can't ever break his oath to the family, which they don't go into in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got the Benny Jesserit who are like minor psychics and that sort of thing. So that's kind of, that's Dune's whole deal is that humans modify themselves to the point where they can fill in those gaps. Oh, okay. So they are just humans. Yeah. See, that would have, if they would have explained that a little bit better in the movie, um, I would have been able to get that, but they didn't. Yeah. That was something that they didn't talk about at all. No, they don't. Um, And of course the spice mutates you into this weird, like the navigators turn into these, you'll see them in the Lynch movie weird half worm creature aliens or something um and there's some stuff in the later books that gets really wacky but of course we're not talking about those really <laughs> the, um, the the ones after uh frank herbert died because i do ones... have all of them i'm pretty sure i have every single book in the dune series and i've read one third of one of them <laughs> even dune messiah the second one has some really weird stuff happen um and then the third, and then they get kind of progressively wackier. And then once he dies, I think a lot of people kind of like write that off as B tier canon. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like this, it's like what Disney did to Star Wars. But Villeneuve's Dune. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, this, it's a topic that's pretty loaded. So we can talk about like just Dune as a concept for a long time. But yeah, um, because really, I mean, again, this is not. I'm going to say bad things about this movie because I thought this was dull as dirt, but I can't say that it's bad because it's not like it is like the story is interesting in theory and the acting is good and it's beautiful to look at. The costumes are like that is the aesthetic that I like aspire to have like i want to dress like that all the time <laughs> with the, with the fish, I love, face bubble just constantly giving yeah, you drugs just all sorts of crazy shit those <laughs> suits are awesome looking yes. like i love stuff with straps and you know hood like big hoods and mm-hmm. and stuff like that the movie is great to look at it just it, there's something in my brain that turns off and turns it into static and white noise when i'm trying to watch it and but but yeah i mean i think i think you're right the aesthetic of the movie is like it's been a long time since i've seen a sci-fi movie where i had such a visceral reaction to what was on screen like just being portrayed and i think the first time in this movie that i noticed was when the emperor's envoy messenger or whatever comes to the Atreides family, and you see the people with all the face domes, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Cool, yeah, we're doing like we're doing like body tanks and like yeah, mobile tanks." And the choice to have the sandworm teeth be similar to like whale teeth was great. 
the sandworm looked like a hairy asshole and I could not <laughs> I could not think anything differently. Get it, get it out of your system. It's inevitable. <laughs> like, I mean, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I am not surprised, Michael, that your thought on seeing a <laughs> large circular opening was, yeah, that's an ass. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, look, I spend a lot of time on the internet. Um, yeah, no, I do. So. I do too. <laughs> I guess I've just been desensitized. I don't. Know. Yeah, I guess. It, <laughs> yeah, it was just like the the build up to the sandworm. You know, you know, and these things are huge and you know this and they look terrifying, like coming at you underneath the sand. And then when it actually emerges, I think it was not just the way it looked like it didn't look threatening at all. And it was also so big, like those things were so big. It's like why would this thing even think about eating people? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a snack for that thing. It would be like in like when we walk through and you know, a gnat flies into our mouths, yeah. like it, that's the sort of thing. It almost seems like if they were to eat a human, it would be by accident because why would they even bother? You know, in the desert, you got to eat what you can get. And I guess this little, this little two leg thing is walking around in my backyard. I guess I'm just going to swallow it up and get rid of it. <laughs> those. Well, you want to talk about a little thing. Like, it seems like those little, the cutest thing that I've ever seen were those, um, little oh, mice own? with the huge ears. Hey, can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Once again, I can't hear anything. Wait, really? But, uh, apparently there's some kind of like, uh, robbery or something going on back there so <laughs> i kind of threw off my <laughs> my my uh my anyway listen so dune right uh i this movie is one of the weirdest movies to be able to make me both love it and really just be nauseated by it at the same time uh it's an hour and a half of looking at like a picture that maybe moves i don't know the thing is that it's so beautifully made and, you know, Villeneuve did such a great job and he has such a passion for this story. And you can tell that he absolutely loves this thing. Um, the only problem is nothing really happens. It somehow turned in. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's me. Uh, I'm Zach Wiseman, by the way. Uh, uh, it, it somehow turned into like uh, like a two and a half hour trailer for what I think is going to be an amazing part, too. So. Uh, I, I have to give it eight reels only because uh, I have watched it four times since it came out because I almost can't understand it. The first time I was like, it's boring. And I stopped it halfway through and finished it the next day. Next day, I watched it all the way through and was like, OK, it's it's beautiful. It sounds great. Then I watched an interview uh, with uh, Denny Villeneuve and I was like, OK, now I understand his point of view when making it, which upon the next rewatch. End up loving it a lot. Uh, very well calculated, very well put together. Every scene is intentional and there. It's just boring, which is crazy. Um, but I absolutely love it. Uh, I hope uh, that when I watch this back later, when I get. Okay, I think they're going to. I think they're towing somebody's car now. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy. Either way, uh, I love the real boys. Uh, uh, do not miss Phil Better. Definitely miss Justin Wallace. Um, eight solid reels. And I'll be there Monday for whatever that show that we're doing is. Uh, either way, uh, Dylan, I love you. Uh, Mike, hey, good to see you, pal. And I'll talk to you guys later.
Bye. I mean, not turn this off. Okay. Oh my God. I kept the recording going. I would like to thank Zach Wiseman for coming in and saying exactly what I've been saying for a half an hour in five minutes. (laughs) Hey, you're just doing Dune proud by pacing yourself similarly to how the book (laughs) and the movie goes. (laughs) No, of course, that was Zach Wiseman. He's also in the real boys. He's in, he's in the field right now doing some important work. Um, crushing the things field, for a living stopping crime yes. apparently um <laughs> let me i gotta i gotta run into the group chat just briefly <laughs> yeah so um uh yeah i i was talking about the aesthetics of this movie and um the, the costumes and the the sets and like the the interiors are so detailed and amazingly cool. It definitely, you know, it gives you something to look at. And also we got Oscar Isaacs who looks amazing in this movie. Like great. And Jason Momoa, who's maybe the sexiest person I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, even though they shave him in this movie, which I, I think might be a crime. Might be the first time I've ever seen him clean. I they, think it the is first... down to the skin. Yeah. And it took me uh, a little bit before I recognized that that was him. And I wish they wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Even though he still looks great. Um, uh, yeah. I, I prefer the beard, but the only aesthetic thing that I didn't like in this movie was I can I guess I I yeah go ahead guess is it the wings on their little personnel carriers no I actually oh. thought that was very cool like because they looked like dragonflies um I don't know what Zach's talking about anyway. I don't I never know what <laughs> Zach is talking about um, yeah no I like the wings too anyway go ahead yeah the like I'm a big fan of dragonflies and how just like how they look and they look like ships that were based off of dragonflies and you know if you don't have you know earth airplane technology and you based your your designs off of a dragonfly, something that you know that could fly. I think that's what you would end up with. And I actually think it looks really cool. Um, what I don't like is, I don't know if there's some sort of force fields or something. Like the shaky red that, sure. you know, every time somebody gets hit or stabbed, it's like a weird shaky red force mm-hmm. field over top of them. It it looked like one of those tool videos from the '90s that make me <laughs> nauseous, and I didn't I didn't enjoy looking at it. And that might be a personal preference, um, but of, that's what this show is. <laughs> one of the main conceits of the novel and the setting for Dune is that uh, personal force field technology has become so widespread and so good that it effectively means you have a shield on almost anytime you're out in public, which make projectile weapons effectively useless. So everybody carries around a sword or mm-hmm. a knife, because if you go slowly, you can penetrate the shield. Which is shown in That's red. cool as hell. <laughs> right. And using nukes or anything nuclear causes a massive destructive chain reaction. So nukes are generally highly controlled. And la- using a laser on a shield 
means that it causes a chain reaction back along the course of the laser and blows up both you and the person you're shooting at. So it's this very interesting kind of dynamic where melee combat has kind of come back in as the standard because projectiles just aren't generally worth it. Uh, And of course, you you can't use your shield when you're out in Dune on on Arrakis because it draws and crazifies the sandworms. Um, Yeah. yeah. And I will say it's a little basic to show the shields like that. I'm, it makes sense. I think in universe to have a visual indicator to let someone know that, Hey, my shield's been breached. Yeah. But there's also, there's also sort of a standard, uh, shield thing, which looks like the, the trail behind the matrix bullets. When you get hit with something, it's sort of like a clear ripple. I like that. There was just, there was just something unnerving about like the staticky quality of of how that looked. The and also 80, the 80s version has this horrific like crystalline like prism overlaid on people and they look like Minecraft characters. It's bizarre. Oh, okay. It's bizarre. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna have to watch this. I mean, yeah. you don't have to tell me that a David Lynch movie has bizarre stuff in it. Um <laughs> but fair. yeah, it 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 was that and also the fact that every time you see this fat guy who thankfully is much less disgusting looking than the David Lynch version, no like big gross oozing boils on his face yeah, and sure. neck. Um, but they are just, he is just eating all the time and eating disgustingly. And they sure do love to let you hear all of his smackings and chompings and slurpings and i wanted to die while i was watching him on the screen <laughs> so he was put in prosthetics to play uh stellan skarsgård was put in prosthetics to play uh the baron harkonnen to make him look like a human rhino because he's huge and <laughs> apparently after that the, the first scene he shot as the baron was the um that first scene he appears in when he's in like the uh the spa I guess the mm-hmm. Harkonnen spa. Mm-hmm. And apparently he told the director that he felt so powerful in that <laughs> version of him, of the character that he kept asking. He's like, can I, can my character be wearing less? Like he wanted to be more <laughs> like simulated nude on screen. Yeah. Scene. And I'm like, okay, Hey, if you're playing Vladimir Harkonnen, I guess own it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean so. he was doing he was uh, again he was doing a great job as this character like like so it, evil it, it takes a it takes a lot to make a character that looks like that like actually scary because he doesn't look scary he looks like he would be like your gross uncle that nobody wants to talk to at thanksgiving <laughs> Yeah, but he like the way he carries himself, and I guess that's you know I guess that's part of it. But the way he carries himself, it's like oh, he's more like Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Like this guy can get shit done. Um, he's like a Curzon from uh, not not Tropic Thunder, the other one, uh, <laughs> uh, Heart of Darkness. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's been <sighs> you know I think I mean. since high it's school so since long. I've watched yeah. Heart of Darkness. <laughs> that one yeah but he plays him more like kurtz um which i think is kind of fitting um because the lynch version has him be this maniacal eve like 
worse than evil piece of shit. Um, and so I, it, it takes itself a little ser- more seriously. And I think this adaptation in general works for me, at least as a fan of the book, because this is mm-hmm. a, this is a production of Dune. This is an attempt to put out a high quality, like bigger than big epic piece of filmmaking adapted from one of the oldest sci-fi stories out there at at least in modern in the contemporary canon yeah and part of it falls into like oh that's jason momoa playing playing duncan idaho oh Mm -hmm. that's oscar isaac playing Lido atreides like you fall into that trap a little bit of being like oh i like the actor Mm -hmm. as this character Mm -hmm. and i think i'm okay with it because it's like seeing dune produced on stage yeah and i from what i read like i said i didn't read the entire book but i did read enough of it to know you know who paul atreides is and and stuff and when i watched the lynch version for the first time i was like i was like oh cool it's wonderful to see kyle mclaughlin but he's about 15 years too old to play this role um the timothy chalamet looks like i like exactly like i was picturing him when i was reading that book you know how old kyle mclaughlin was when he filmed that um i'm gonna say 32 he was 24 years old okay (laughs) he was born in 59 and was made in like I think it was filmed in 83. Yeah. Um, but no, he's got a real bad case of like old face in that. Oh movie. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he's, uh, Zach is putting up a very good point. No one can naked cry better than Oscar Isaac. I wish <laughs> there is a naked Oscar Isaac scene that I couldn't stop laughing at because the way it was directed was making me feel like that scene in Austin powers. <laughs> oh, sure. when he's walking around nude and he keeps getting like his dick and ass blocked by the yeah. silliest things. <laughs> and that was Beowulf. exactly yeah. what they're doing in this movie. And I'm like, this is taking me out of this movie, but it's so funny. It, I, this, this got rated PG 13. Mm-hmm. from the mpaa and it's pretty tame all things considered dune mm-hmm. doesn't have it's not it's not vulgar it doesn't have any like real hyper violence to it there's no there's no hypersexual stuff there there's a part of me that wishes that they had done r just so you can make harkonnen a little more messed up and let oscar isaac hang dong maybe yeah or at least like you know hint at it a bit more because yeah. the way he's the way he's reclining in that hover chair is like I saw it and I'm like, you're doing your best to be artistic while also <laughs> demure. Yeah, covering <laughs> up that dick. <laughs> um, Let's love- let me get the let me get the unrated cut of this. I want to see Oscar yeah. Isaac's dick. Like, look, <laughs> let's see that dick. <laughs> There's apparently I I wouldn't be surprised if we do eventually get like a full cut of this because apparently they shot multiple scenes that aren't that just weren't straight up included in this. And I've seen stills from them. Um, a scene where Josh Brolin play, his character is like a warrior poet. Like he's a musician. And there's a scene apparently where he's just kind of plucking at his, it's called a ballast set, but it's like a space guitar. So he's pl- seen where he's playing that 
there's a scene where um, the doctor who betrays them is talking to Jessica and he has to like watch his words because she can tell when he's lying and stuff like that. And this is a situation where I was like, give me 20 minutes more of this movie so I can meet these characters a bit more. And uh, part of that, I understand. Uh, is that uh, uh, in the book? <laughs> uh, yeah. No? And here's, here's what I'm going to say, and it's going to shock you. If this movie would have been three hours, I think it would have been better. Okay. Because when you're doing something like this, I do need to know more about these characters. Like I'm meeting these characters, but I don't really know anything about them. If it would have been an extra 20 to 25 minutes and I learned more about these characters, um, I think it would have been better. And that's, coming from someone who complains about a movie being two hours long. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, also Josh Brolin, holy cow, you forget because the last couple of times you've seen Josh Brolin, he was a big purple cartoon. Um, he's a great actor. Mm -hmm. Like Josh Brolin is really good. Like I haven't seen him play a good role since maybe no country for old men. <laughs> But when he goes for it, he's good. And he also like, it, like as far as characters go, and even Thanos is like this um, warrior poet kind of describes exactly the kind of, of character that he should be playing. Like he's perfect mm -hmm. at that. If he wasn't, you know, a big purple cartoon, but you can tell even when he's doing Thanos that, you know, he has emotion and stuff behind him. So, you know, seeing him in this movie was uh, a delight. He's a he's yeah. a delight to watch on screen. It's it's interesting to see what they've actually put on screen, knowing that the director's such a fan of the novel and has been for a long time, because there's a lot of character interactions which could have amped up the intrigue a little bit if they had included it and they decided not to. And I don't. I'm not going to say that this was a case of meddling from executives or whatever, because I think mm -hmm. they gave him a pretty fair amount of freedom on this project. I think it, with, it seems with his way. pedigree, with his pedigree, yeah. if he's doing a movie like this, I think they're probably like, so long as you don't go too, don't go Lynchian, but you're okay <laughs> doing what you want. Um, so it's interesting to think of what he might've decided to leave on the cutting room floor in the name of keeping things accessible and paced. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I, I would like to see that director's cut though. Yes. No, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I, there has to be some version coming out at some point and I'll buy it. I'll buy this movie. I don't know. I'll watch, um, I'll watch it on HBO. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise you've got, uh, you've got Hans Zimmer's score lending a lot of atmosphere to this yeah it's 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 mm, a lot it, yeah <laughs> it's a lot it's all over the place is the thing um it I, it doesn't it doesn't like it doesn't seem structured it i would i would have liked um maybe a little bit more character specific stuff because that's what i like in this sort of thing is where you know each main character sort of has a th uh, theme song, but this score is all over the place. And I'm like, what is going on with Hans Zimmer? Like, 
he used to be so amazing and I don't know. I think ever he's the one who invented the yes. And I didn't think it was overdone in this. Yeah. But I think ever, I think ever since then, (laughs) since everybody's using that and he just has money, you know, he has money trucks pulling up to his um, money basement. That's just Mm -hmm. full of money. Like Scrooge McDuck. He doesn't seem to care as much as he used to about, you know, building up an atmosphere of a movie. It's apparent, according to Wikipedia, he wanted it to not sound like his old stuff. And he hit the approach he took to it is what he called anti groove. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I, I guess I would never have described the score as that. Cause at least I picked up like there's rhythm to it. Like There's, it's got a it's got a general like drum beats and like you've got um HBO's favorite bracketed uh closed caption ancient lamentation music which has <laughs> showed up in um most famously like fourteen times in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, okay. Whenever you know you get that one woman whale similar to Gladiator, you're gonna get ancient lamentation music. Yeah. Um, I I. I want to go through and listen to the actual score just independently so I can get like a better isolated view of it. Yeah. Um, but it, it did kind of, I watched, I did go to see this in a theater and they had okay. their, they had their sound system playing real intense. Okay. So I, when the music cut in, I, I could feel it. Yeah. That might've, yeah, that might've been a problem because I do have surround sound on, on my, tv but it is you know just some speakers and stuff um but yeah i i've been it probably in the past three years or so noticing scores a lot more and you can i don't know there this one was it was just too all over the place for something that's so specific like we are doing we've said it we both said it Um, we're doing one thing in this movie and the actors are doing one thing and the environments are doing one thing and the, the, like the world is doing one thing. And then this score is like tweedly deedly over here. And then it's like, like weird chunky guitars over here. And then it's like very drum heavy over here. And it's like, John Carpenter would have done a better job with this score. <laughs> I that would be inter- that would be interesting <laughs> at least. I, I I can't think of I think John Carpenter's kind of the polar opposite axis than mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer is mm-hmm. on the epic like bum 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 yeah. drum scope. I don't think I, I think I think Hans Zimmer was a good choice, and I think the score mostly works <laughs> because it gives it a sense of bigness but i think a little bit more of a through line might have benefited it yeah it's it's big but it's not focused and yeah and normally that wouldn't have normally i probably wouldn't have even noticed it but the fact that everything else is laser focused and the scores all over the place makes it uh what's that word that i'm looking for anachronistic uh dissonant dissonant yeah it it, like it doesn't 
fit together. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I like I, I probably would like that score in say a Star Wars movie or sure. a JJ Abrams Star Trek movie. But it it was weird coming out of this Dune movie where we're doing where we're doing the one thing. Yeah. Um Yeah. Um I I mean I don't have a whole lot more to say about the movie. I don't either. Apparently, apparently I liked this movie a lot more than I thought I did while I was watching it. (laughs) I mean, it looks great. It's very clear that this was a project that everybody involved was psyched to be involved with. Mm -hmm. You can tell that everybody involved wanted to be in here. Um, Including like production, like everything looks great. Uh, I love the aesthetic in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved the, just general difference in color palettes between the different planets. And even the interiors and exteriors, Mm -hmm. like the inside of the palace or whatever looks a lot different than, you know, you leave the doors of that place and you're in a big brown desert Mm -hmm. and then you're inside of it. And it's like, gray and white and and then there's like color splotches it it looks awesome there i could never say a bad thing about the way this movie looks it's yeah. incredible to look at i do want to shout out to the throat <clears> singing <throat> involved on uh Seleucus secundus when they're going to the sardaukar training grounds i love it when throat singing th- shows up and stuff and that was you want to talk about something that was turned up like yeah. that was shaking my couch. Yep. <laughs> Loved it I, it I, was intense. This, this movie does a great job of making the world of Dune feel like it's 8,000 years in the future where cultural, where cultures haven't really survived and everybody's got their own thing going on. And it is an alien world as opposed to earth. Mm-hmm. They, they, they like you know the world of Dune has some holdovers from the pre from our era in the books, but everybody here feels really distinct. It feels really different. It doesn't, f- yeah. It feels like it's eight thousand years ahead of us. Yeah, and we are we are working with the thing that I like in these movies is when the different sort of factions are all visually distinct from each other. Because if I wouldn't, you know, if I didn't know a thing about Dune, I would know that these Harkonnens with their like Darth Vader suits um, were different from these, what are they called? The, the Newmans. Wait, what? (laughs) Oh, the (laughs) The Newmans, the Freemans, the the, the Gordon Freemans um, with their like, you know, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, whatever. Yeah, no, you're fine. With their <laughs> like, with their like beige, you know, they, they blend in with the environment because that's mm-hmm. where they live. And then these people who aren't used to this world in these like protective suits that, you know, everybody and you know who's with who because of how they look. And in a movie, especially a movie like this, that's very important where you have, you know, four factions running around. They have to be visually distinct from each other. And they did a very good job. Like I said, the costumes. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Great job. Costume department. Um, 
I mean, uh, I've seen, I've seen costumes this good, probably just in that Mulan live action movie oh, okay. was the only thing because that's that's what I kept thinking of because I'm like I kept saying during that Mulan review you know how beautiful everything looked the costumes and the settings and everything the action the movement of the people I was like wow this is great and I got that same feeling from this movie like everything looks nice even the way the people are moving yeah that even that's distinct from each other. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, great job with everybody involved, actors, costumes, sets, directors, uh, DPs. I don't know who else has things to do. A great job. Everyone except Hans Zimmer, like do a better job next time. Solid B. <laughs> I'm still giving him a B on that. Cause I, I you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm giving him a C cause he's still Hans Zimmer. It still sounds good, but it, it didn't go with the movie. Eh, you, C's get Emmys. We'll watch him get an Emmy for this because he's Hans Zimmer. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> How yeah, many that, Emmys does Hans Zimmer have? Uh, I can look that up for you real quick. It's it's Let probably, he probably check. just throws them down in his money basement. <laughs> How many Emmys does Hans, let me spell this right, Zimmer have? Uh, Google tells me 11 nominations and one win. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Oscars, Oscars, Emmys, Oscars are Oscars. the Oscars Emmys are the, are the TV, TV one. <laughs> Come on, man. Those are cred. <laughs> oh uh, no. Do you want to guess what he won for? It's in the on 90s. TV or uh, uh, Oscars movie. He, okay, movie. so he won one Oscar 90s. from the nineties. It is a movie that we have on the show at some point. I'm not going to tell you whether it's coming up or has already gone past. <clears throat> Oh, I know it's not a Star Wars movie because right. he never did a Star Wars movie. Um, I I am totally blanking. I couldn't. Apparently, he scored the 1994 Lion King. Okay, I didn't know he scored it. I knew I you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, and all you know about that. All you know about that is that Elton John did the song. He's like, he yes. wrote the songs. Yeah. Um, but apparently Hans Zimmer won an Oscar for uh-huh. uh, best score on that movie. So, you know. Yeah. And you know what the Oscar uh, statue has? It has a nude guy on it. Like I wish that Oscar Isaacs was in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe next time. <laughs> hopefully yeah uh that if nothing else that's what i'll be watching the director's cut for yeah uh all right anything else you want to say before we wrap this up no all right no um i i think i've gone up three reels since we started talking about it okay which is not unheard of for me but very rare sure uh do you want to give your reels and where you can where people can find you and general like that I'm going to give this thing a seven. Whoa. Um, Okay. It's, I I think I'm definitely going to watch the second part. Um, It has given me more of an appreciation for Dune. It's the first thing I've been able to fully get through. Um, And, you know, I've said it through the whole thing. Uh, The acting is brilliant. The, it's just, 
it's something to look at. Like I could put on some podcasts and put on this movie and just look at it. <laughs> and I, I would have no problem with that. Um, yeah, just way better than I expected. Um, wow. even though it's the, the, it was the talking that, that turned into static. It wasn't, you know, what I was looking at. Um, sure. so <laughs> that's all I'm going. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a seven. Um, I'm as surprised as you are. <laughs> so I'll take it. <laughs> what I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to plug everything today because there's only two of us. Yeah. Um, Jack Billings presents haunted apartment complex. We are going crazy over there. Um, we have the next like four months planned out and it is a wacky, um, <laughs> generation clash which is a music show that i do with my kid um we've had a couple of really good episodes like we try to we have each other listen to each other's generations music and see if we can get each other to like it uh we pick three songs that sort of encapsulate a band and then we talk about them um it's a really fun show um this last episode that came out was on paramore Okay. Who I ended up really, really liking. Yeah. And then uh, the next episode that's coming out is going to be on um, seminal hardcore band Bad Brains, who I can't say enough good things about. Hmm. Um, and also, spoiler alert, uh, the younger generation also enjoys. Um, <laughs> and then we have I Love This Terrible Game, where we talk about video games and then one particular bad video game. Um, that we enjoy playing and then um, I'm not going to plug the other thing because I still don't know when that's coming back. But then um, we're here every, every Monday and every other Friday on the real boys talking about movies. And um, if I can plug one of the real boys, I know I don't usually do the plugs for the other real boys because I don't think if you're not here, you should get plugs, but I do. <laughs> do want to plug um phil better's new comic book um it's it's called alpha flight a and it's only about the 90s run of the comic book alpha flight who is a canadian superhero team and it's not like your normal comic book show it's like one of those minute by minute movie podcasts. It's a frame by it's a panel by panel cool. comic book show. Um, there's already 600 episodes about it. Um, it's he only puts been out one for out three weeks. Yeah. Well, he puts seven of them out a day. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, it's went, it's starting to be winter in Canada. So he's yeah. been snowed in for the past like three yeah. months. So it's, I mean, if you really want to know about Sasquatch and Puck and Megan and Captain Britain, like you're going to learn all about this in Alpha Flight A. Yeah. No, so good that, plug. Yeah. Go, go yeah, listen to check, Phil Better's new show. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this one will actually take off. Um, <laughs> you heard Michael. Uh, my name is Dylan. I'm from some nobodies. I'm giving Dune an eight. Same rating as Zach. Uh, that is my purely subjective rating because I understand that Dune is not for everybody. I liked <laughs> it and I'm excited for part two, uh, for all the reasons I listed. And that gives us an eight and eight and a seven gives about seven and two thirds reels on average. Um, 
eh, close enough to what I think it deserves. I, I feel like this is a pretty <laughs> solid eight out of 10, but that's okay. I understand. Um, I'll bring it down. Yeah, <laughs> that's I'm marking it or whatever. <laughs> Before I get to my own plugs, I am going to be benevolent. I'm a benevolent <laughs> one here. Shout out to Chris Harvey. He's a performing comedian. You can find him on the Chris Plus Chris show. He also tours and does stand-up comedy. He's got some sample bits on his website. DL Smokes of Oops Caught Me Smoking. He's usually here on Mondays. You can catch him also at Bet That with Dan and Jerry and Blaze, uh, who also does the Cloud Chronicles podcast. He does some interviews on that show. Feel better with the thousands of shows he's been doing. What else are you going to do when you've chosen this as your main hustle? Yeah. Rise and grind, as he says, every day, yeah. all the time. It's weird. Grinding. Uh, and he, then of course, go ahead. He's he used to stand up. I don't know if you noticed, but he used to stand up when he was doing his shows. But like his legs actually just like gave out, so he has to sit Aww. like that gamer chair that he's in is yeah. is actually has handles on the back, and he has okay. to have his his poor servant. I feel bad for whoever has to take him to the bathroom hey you know that servant that's just his hustle and grind so he's doing what he's doing best uh and of course justin wallace of anime shenanigans where uh, they talk about anime and shenanigans that come with it yeah i don't know uh and then my plugs uh of course dylan you can find me on some nobody stuff silicon angels cyop appeal talking upstream twitching upstream which we do every tuesday you can catch that at about like 3 34 ish mountain time you can do the calculations on when that applies to you uh here mondays and most friday and every other friday and of course uh no time to binge go listen to the backlogs while we get it set up for the eventual inevitable return <laughs> you can't escape yeah i'm i was actually thinking about um uh, messaging the group because i can't wait to do that show again yeah. it seems like everybody's it seems like everybody's um healthy and sane again yeah at least you know as far as people can be sane in these times um yeah. but it seems like it's just a scheduling thing it's just a matter of getting the scheduling fixed now but yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get myself excited for it because I miss doing that show so bad. Me too. It's a fun one, and of course, uh, <clears throat> people listening will be the first ones to know when it starts coming back. Until then, you can always get your fix of us here on the Real Boys. Next Monday, we're doing Dan's number two movie, Training Day. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it either, but by all accounts, it's good. Yeah, and uh, I mean Denzel Washington. Yeah. And then on the 8th, we have Chris Harvey's number two movie, The Lion King. I'm pretty sure the 94 version, he's been joking about doing the live action one. I'm watching the live action one. Yeah, That's the one right. I'm going to be reviewing. Whatever. All right. Uh, and then on the 12th of November, we will be doing probably a real wheel. I think that's the plan. Uh, we're back to the real wheel. Yeah. We have to punish ourselves after having a few weeks of good movies. Let's, uh, let's take everything off the real wheel except rubber. And then rubber. we can just watch rubber. Nobody's here to tell us we can't just do rubber. Let's just do rubber. Ooh, let's just do rubber. Let's November, just say November because 12th, nobody ever listens. Here. Nobody who's on the show listens to it when they're not on it. So yeah. we can just say that the real wheel picked rubber. Yeah, cool. Uh, real wheel picked rubber. Uh, the timestamp is 5921. You can sh show them that later on. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we'll do rubber on the 12th of November, 2021. Uh, if you happen to be listening to this years out, good for you. I hope the wasteland treats you. Okay. Uh, 
My name is Dylan. That's Michael. You heard from Zach earlier. You'll hear from other people on occasion. Uh, I think that's all I have to say, Michael or Cleep Glorpington. Do you want to do you want to play us out? Yeah, I I'm just sorry for everyone in the wasteland in the future, uh, the inevitable wasteland. I'm sorry that you have to listen to us, but at least it's better than being alone in that cave that you, you know, live in, that you killed that bear, you know, so that you could have some warm clothing and um, something to eat for at least a couple of days. So good luck out there. And you know, if they uh, I'm, they're doing okay. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've already long died at, uh, since the uh, wasteland came I in. I hope I have. Yeah, definitely. Either that or I'm like chained up to some emperor's uh, as his like clown, you know, like a jester. <laughs> and then hopefully I tell a really bad joke and then he just cuts my head off. Of course, if you're listening to this from the wasteland, this has been another sermon from your savior, Dylan. <laughs> um, and I'm going to play us out now. <laughs> Take it easy out there, everybody. Be well. Drop, 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 drop these. Everybody, drop, 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 drop these. Everybody, drop, 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 drop these. Everybody, drop, 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 drop these. Everybody. Ah, he wants to go off road. You gonna shoot that shot when you get the lamp? Yo, he was right on my ass, man. You white. Who wrote this? I did. Ask him if you got the letter. Did you get the letter? What letter? What's up, man? Oh, to catch a fade, huh?